No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we see where God sends a famine to Israel because the way Saul killed the Gibeonites decades earlier. It's a sobering reminder that God is the judge and that he doesn't forget apart from blood atonement. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21 on Simply the Bible. We are in the latter years of David's reign. We continue today in 2 Samuel 21. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. When weather patterns change or disasters occur, people often seek a natural explanation. It's El Nino, global warming, or some regularly occurring cycle. How often does modern man consider that such phenomenon could, in fact, be the finger of God? Probably man has always considered the natural explanation first, which is why it took three years for David to finally inquire of God why this famine wasn't going away. The answer probably came through one of the prophets. The famine was caused by Saul's sin in killing the Gibeonites. That must have shocked David, for although we have no record of when this massacre occurred, it was probably about 40 years earlier. So why had God taken so long to bring judgment? But before we answer that question, let's first recall the history of the Gibeonites. When Joshua and the children of Israel began conquering the land of Canaan, the Gibeonites came to them pretending to be from a distant land. They sought to make a treaty with Israel. And without inquiring of the Lord, Joshua and the elders made a treaty with them, only to discover later that they lived close by. When Joshua confronted them about this, they said they lied to preserve their lives. Therefore, Israel honored their treaty with them and made them woodcutters and water carriers in the house of the Lord. When the Gibeonites were attacked, Israel came to their rescue and defeated their enemies. And for over 300 years, they enjoyed peace as servants in Israel. But then Saul came along and wiped out a bunch of them, violating the ancient covenant Israel had made with them. Many years passed. Probably the people of Israel thought the whole thing had blown over. But God is very patient. While the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, God gave the Canaanites 400 years to repent. Instead, they became even more depraved so that they were ripe for judgment. When God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, he used them to execute his judgment against the wicked Canaanites. God is very slow to bring judgment, but when he does, he is very thorough. It is foolish to mistake God's patience for apathy, or even worse, for his approval. If this story teaches us anything, it shows us that God judges sin and that the sins of leaders can bring judgment upon the people they lead. Therefore, we are wise to choose our leaders carefully and to pray for them that they make righteous decisions. If they don't, 
we will all pay the price. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnants of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do for you. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. Understanding the cause of the problem, David now sought to make amends with the Gibeonites. Their response indicates that they were aware of the problem and had considered what would be just retribution. They weren't looking to personally profit as some today who file a civil lawsuit against someone. Rather, they wanted justice to be served. Had they been Israelites and had the death of their ancestors been perpetuated by individuals, then the avengers of death, that is the eldest male family members, would have taken care of retribution themselves. But because they were servants and Saul had done this, as an act of war, there was nothing they could do except to entrust their situation to the Lord. Let me say that there are many times when our best response is to simply entrust our situation to the Lord. It may take more time before we see results, but the results are always more satisfying than if we jump ahead of the Lord and try to handle it ourselves. The request of the Gibeonites was very specific. They wanted seven descendants of Saul to pay with their lives. Seven is the number of completion. This was in accordance with the Mosaic law. Exodus 21:23 says, But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Probably Saul had killed many more than seven Gibeonites, so their request was quite reasonable. This requirement of blood retribution even reaches back to the covenant God made with Noah. Genesis 9.6 says, Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. It was tragic that the descendants of Saul had to pay for their father and grandfather's sin. But unfortunately, when God judges a nation, that is sometimes what happens. David agreed to their terms. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, 
the Meholathite, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites. And they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of the harvest, in the first days in the beginning of the barley harvest. David spared Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, who ate at his table because of the covenant David had made with Jonathan to protect and care for his descendants. But he took the two sons of Saul's concubine, Rizpah, and the five sons of Michael. Now, according to 1 Samuel 18, 19, it was Saul's eldest daughter, Mereb, who was married to Adriel. Michael was Saul's younger daughter, who was married to David, but who died childless. So probably Mereb died, and Michael then raised her sister's five sons. David delivered these seven descendants of Saul to the Gibeonites who hanged them at the beginning of the barley harvest, which occurred in April. Now, Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. So the bodies hung until the late rains, a period of about six months. Usually a body that was hung was buried the same day. We aren't told why these bodies remained on display. Probably it had something to do with settling the curse that had come upon the entire nation. The law stated that one who was hung was accursed of God. Rizpah spread out sackcloth on a rock and remained there the entire time driving off the birds and beasts from the bodies. Probably she had others helping her guard the bodies while she had to sleep. This demonstrated her amazing compassion for the dead. This action makes me question, how much compassion do I demonstrate for those who are spiritually dead? Look at how many pains Rispa took to care for these dead bodies because of her love for them and for love's sake. Will I take pains to care for those who are spiritually dead so that they may trust Christ and live for eternity? Verse 11, And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Beth-shan, where the Philistines had hung them up, after the Philistines had struck down Saul in Gilboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin, in Zelah, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded, and after that God heeded the prayer for the land. David was so moved by what Rizpah had done that he got the bones of Saul and Jonathan along with these seven men and buried them all in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father. Then God listened to the people's prayers and ended the famine. Verse 15, When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ish by Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, seven and a half pounds, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came 
to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. David began his career by killing Goliath. Now he was older and physically he couldn't do what he used to do. So David's nephew, Abishai, protected him on the battlefield, and David's men told him not to come out anymore, lest the light of Israel be extinguished. And David listened. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob, and Sibachai, the Hushuthite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jeroaragim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Twenty-four in number. That's some weird genes. And he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimeah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. David was a giant slayer and those who came after him were also giant slayers, including David's own nephew, Jonathan. That is the mark of a good leader. David, the man after God's own heart. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we will take a break from our Through the Bible study to showcase some of the ministries at Calvary Chapel Treasure Valley. We hope you will join us as several of our ministry leaders share their passion for what God is doing on Simply the Bible.